Well, good morning again. Excited to be here with you. Excited that we're continuing our sermon series, The Songs of Christmas. This morning we began our, our time together singing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I want to share with you a little bit of background of this song. I came across this, but um, Christmas carols, as we know them now, were abolished by the English per- Puritan Parliament in 1627 because they were part of a worldly festival, which they considered Christmas to be. And as a result, there were few Christmas carols, or, or, or hymns for that matter, that were written during this period of time. However, Hark the Herald Angels was written by Charles Wesley, and this was one of about 6,500 different hymns that he wrote. And, and like many of his hymns, this is full of great theological truths. The first stanza describes the song of the angels outside of Bethlehem with an invitation to join them in praise of Christ. The following stanzas present the truths of the virgin birth, Christ's deity, the immorality of the soul, the new birth, and a prayer for the transforming power of Christ in our lives. And for more than 200 years, this has been a song that has been sung in churches like this throughout this holiday season. And we have sung that song this morning, and the first um, stanza of that, once again, is, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. So far during this sermon series, we've looked at, at, at Mary's song. Last week, we looked at Zachariah's song. And this morning, we're going to look at the song of the angelic host, the angel song. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading together verses 8 through 20. So Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading together in verse 8, and we'll read through 20 together this morning. You know, this section of Scripture... Is, is one of my favorite sections in all of God's Word. It, 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 as we will un, walk through this and unpack it this morning, we're going to see how God chose a group of lowly shepherds to show up and, and, and make a glorious pronouncement about Christ being born in the city of Bethlehem. Luke 8. Um, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to, the, to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this saying that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What we're going to see this morning as we walk through this passage together is this. This is a glorious pronouncement. These words are some of the greatest words ever spoken to man. Verse 11, for unto us a child is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Think back to that moment of your salvation. Think back to that moment in your life where you heard the greatest announcement of your life. When, when you heard the truth about who Jesus is, about what Jesus had done for you, and you made a decision on that day to become a Christ follower. Do you remember that day? I remember for me, it was, it was Easter Sunday. I was uh, 11 years old, and the Lord Jesus Christ saved me. I, I don't remember everything that preacher said that day, but I do remember that, that it, was, it was shared the good news of salvation, that I was in need of a Savior, that I needed to repent of my sins, and I needed to make Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. Do you remember when that happened in your life? Well, these shepherds, man, they just received the greatest pronouncement ever made to man, that Christ had been born in the city of David. Notice first, as we walk through this passage together, notice the recipients of this good news. In verse 8, We read, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You know what amazes me is as as I read through this story, that that the first people to hear about Christ being born were a group of lowly shepherds. You know, you would think an announcement like that would be made to dignitaries, would have been made to kings and to queens and to to priests or the Pharisees, the educated or the noble. But those aren't the ones that received the good news, was it? It was a group of lowly shepherds. You know, we like to romanticize the occupation of shepherds. A lot of times during the Christmas season, we do that. Every one of our nativity scene has shepherds that are a part of those. And, and we think of them being this, this class of people that are high above all other classes of people. Well, when human history began, that may have been the case. It was a noble occupation. Um, Adam's son Abel is the first shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd, Jacob was a shepherd, Rachel was a shepherdess, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd. And and these first heroes that we call heroes in the Bible had the occupation of shepherds. However, by the time the first century rolled around, being a shepherd was anything but a noble task. In Genesis 46, 34, we read of the disdain the Egyptians showed toward the shepherds. In verse 34, we read, You shall say, Your servants have been keepers keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now. 
both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. As being a shepherd fell from favor, it was assigned to younger sons. It was assigned to hirelings. It was assigned even to slaves. They were the ones that held that occupation. They were a class of people second only to the leopards, one writer said. The Talmud states that no help is to be given to the heathen shepherds. They were dishonest. They were unclean according to the law. They represented the outcasts. They were peasants. And they were located toward the bottom of the social class. You know, in spite of their lack of a social calendar. Think about this. The shepherds represented the sinners for whom Jesus Christ came to save. These shepherds within our Christmas story, these men were graced by God and were chosen by God amongst all the other people in the land to receive the glorious news. It's our second point this morning, the glorious news. You know, all of us have received glorious news in our lives, haven't we? I mean, think about some of the greatest moments of your life when you have received good news. You know, I think back to, to um, you know, that day that my wife said, I will. I will marry you. Or when we stood on a platform like this and she said, I do. Or when we've heard, heard the words um, and it was affirmed that you're pregnant. Or it's going to be a boy or a girl. You know, some of the things that you may have, have, have heard um, that have been some of the greatest moments of your life is you're hired, or maybe it's you've been accepted into a, a college of your choice, or maybe if you're a little bit challenged as I was in school, you passed. You know, sometimes that's some good news, especially this time of year, right? If you're a college student or if you're getting ready, um, have already taken exams or fixed and take exams, you know, hearing that you passed or seeing that on a piece of paper, you know, the list goes on and on. All glorious news, all life-changing news. But the greatest news that humanity would ever receive was the promise of God bursting into human history and providing a way that all of us in this room could be saved from our sins. You know, when the angels appeared to these lowly shepherds, the first emotion that these shepherds experienced was fear. In verse 9, we read, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. No different than the fear that um, Zechariah experienced when the angel Gabriel showed up or Mary experienced when the angel Gabriel showed up or when Joseph received the vision that he received in the night. All three of these, these heroes within our Christmas story experienced great fear when the Lord appeared to them or the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And these shepherds also are swept with great fear. But notice what the angel provides. The angel provided comfort. In verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul wrote these words to young Timothy. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, I think all of us in this room have experienced moments of fear, haven't we? 
I know there have been moments in my life when I've experienced fearfulness. Um, Most of those have centered around my family when they have gotten sick or gotten a, or received a diagnosis from a doctor. You know, those are some fearful moments in our lives. All of us have experienced moments of fear. You may be in a time of fearfulness right now because of a sickness that you are walking through or because of a marital struggle that you are going through or because of a job situation or a, 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 a family um, emergency or, or, or conflict that may be occurring. You know, there are times that, that as children of God, that we just need to be comforted. Am I right? You know, there are times when we experience moments of fear, and we just need another believer to come up and hug our neck. Am I right? You know, when I think about the Holy Spirit, and I think about the promise that Jesus um, told his disciples and subsequently us, that the Holy Spirit would come to be our comforter to be our helper. In John 14, 26, we read, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells within us to be our comforter, to be our helper, to be, to be um, that, that assurance that we need when we walk through times of fear. Holy Spirit indwells within us, and, and, and he does comfort us during moments of trials and tribulations. You know, when I think about these shepherds and the fear that swept over them, and when they heard these words from the angel, fear not. Man, that must have just, I, I'm sure there still was some fear that they experienced, but it still must have also been very comforting for them. You know, the angels came declaring a very special message to these shepherds. In verse 10 and 11, we read, And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel pronounced good news, didn't he? And this good news produced great joy. And we are told in this passage of Scripture that this news is for all the people. It wasn't just news that was going to be received by those shepherds, and those shepherds were going to keep that bottled up all their lives. No, this news was for all people, for every nation, for every people group, for every spoken language. It was good news for all people. This message for all people. And what is that message? A Savior has been born in the city of David, the city of Bethlehem. Why is his birthplace significant? Have you thought about that? Have you ever thought about why is it so significant that Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem? Where was Mary and Joseph from? They were from Nazareth. Why couldn't Jesus have been born in Nazareth? Why couldn't he have been born in in Jerusalem? Why couldn't he have been born in Capernaum or some other spot? Why was it so important that he be born in Bethlehem? It's important because of the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Had Jesus been born anywhere else, prophecy would not have been fulfilled. And had prophecy not been fulfilled, then God's word would not be infallible. 
But we know it is infallible. We know that God's word is the absolute truth. It has been proven time and time and time again. And this was one of those moments of proof that what was said of, 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 of old would come true, and it did come true when Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. The Old Testament prophesies the birthplace. In Micah chapter 2 we read, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. You know, Bethlehem, the name means house of bread. You know, it's only fitting that out of the house of bread would come who? The bread of life. Jesus truly is the bread of life. The shepherds were blessed men on this day. They were privileged to have been able to see the angelic host, but that was not the only privilege that they would receive and get to experience on this day. They would also get to gaze upon the very face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the sign that they were given. In verse 12 we read, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know, let's not mistake or forget who this proclamation is all about. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? This church exists because of Jesus, and every other church exists because of Jesus. Christmas, we celebrate Christmas, not, not because we get gifts or we get to give gifts, but we celebrate Christmas because of Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Let's not forget about that. The first Christmas was about Jesus, and the last Christmas to be celebrated will be about Jesus. Let's not lose sight of that truth. Notice our third point this morning. It is this, the glorious song. In verses 13 and 14 we read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In an instant, the proclamation of the arrival of the king, after this proclamation, the night sky was no longer lit by just one angel. But it, we are told that a host of angels lit up that night sky. How many angels were there? We don't know. Were there 10? Maybe. Were there 100? Maybe. Were there 1,000? 10,000? A million? We don't know how many angels there were. But we can be certain that it was an overwhelming number. And these angels, in, in one accord, began to, to cry out, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. You know, you and I should burst into song. Or we should burst into praise when we think about the birth of Christ and the life of Christ and the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. When we think about our own salvation and what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us the moment we repented of our sins and cried out to him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. You know, the other two um, heroes within our, our Christmas story, um, when you think about Zachariah, Zachariah, Upon his tongue being loosened, what did he do? We looked at this last week. He immediately began to praise the Lord, didn't he? Think about Mary. After Mary had her encounter with Elizabeth, what did Mary do? Mary immediately began to praise the Lord. 
You and I should likewise never forget what the Lord has done for us. We should make it a regular habit to give praise to the Lord for his goodness and for his revelation that he has revealed to us. What a privilege it is to be a part of God's eternal story. What a privilege it is that all of us have to play a part in in human history to get to proclaim the good news of salvation amongst those we come in contact with. You know, the angel declared the glory of the Lord to these lowly shepherds and affirmed to them that peace had finally come to the earth. Now, peace is something that we all long for. We long for it just as they did in the first century. One writer wrote, Even the pagans of the first century world sensed this need for peace and a Savior. Epictetus, a first century pagan writer, expressed this. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than even outward peace. There is only one that can provide internal peace, and that is who? That is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can provide us with the internal peace that we need. You know, there is still going to be war that is raging around us. Every single day when we turn the television on, we read about war and we read about unrest. We see and hear about all the political unrest that is happening in our world. But even in the midst of war, we can still be peace-filled people. And how is that? Because when the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within us, he provides us with the peace that we need. Aren't you grateful that the Lord provides that peace this morning? Aren't you grateful that there is going to come a day when Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth? He's going to establish his kingdom here on this earth, and there truly will be peace on earth once and for all. Today we experience internal peace, but there is coming a day when peace will come to this earth. You know, we've said this before and we read about it. Um, When you think about the first advent, you think about the promise that Jesus would come and Jesus did come. And you think about the second advent, the promise that Jesus is going to return. And guess what? Jesus is going to return again. And he's going to establish a peaceful kingdom here on earth. I think all of us in this room long for that day, don't we? I know I long for that day. When is that day going to come? It could come today. It could come tomorrow. It may be 10,000 years into the future. We don't know. But we are to live our life in anticipation as if his return is imminent. Notice in conclusion this morning, notice a glorious response of these shepherds. In verses 15 through 20, again, we read these words. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You know what the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ demands? It demands a response. 
at the revelation of the Messiah, the shepherds went immediately to see Jesus. They got to gaze upon the very face of the Messiah. And these shepherds declared before Mary and the others all that they had seen and heard. And Scripture tells us that Mary treasured all of those words in our heart. Upon them declaring what they had seen, in verse 20, we read, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What I love about these shepherds is this. These lowly, outcast men became the first evangelists, didn't they? They became the first men on earth to declare that Christ had come. They testified of his forgiveness in the coming days, of the peace that he was going to provide, and the assurance that all people needed for eternal life. That morning when those men woke up, they woke up as outcasts, second-class citizens, if even citizens for that matter. But that night when they went to bed, when they laid their head down to sleep, they went to bed having been some of the blessed, most blessed men on the planet. God showed his favors toward them and demonstrated his love to them. And he can do the same for you this morning. If you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know this morning that you can experience the peace that Jesus has come to provide. You can experience forgiveness of your sins. You can experience Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You say, well, what, what does that take? How, how can I do that? Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to believe. We have to believe in who Jesus is and believe what Jesus said about himself. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus made it abundantly clear to his disciples and to us that he is the only one that can bring man into the throne room of God. How is that done? When we enter into a personal relationship with him. We must believe. We also must repent. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room are sinners. Every single one of us in this room have fallen short of God's glory. And without Christ, we're told in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. What our sin does is it separates us from God. And what we deserve as sinners is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But we are promised in God's word. When we read Romans 26.23, the first part says the wages of sin is death. But the second part says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What Jesus Christ has come to do is he has come to provide a free gift for all of us in this room. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of gifts that you receive at Christmas this year. There's going to be a lot of gifts that you give at Christmas this year. But there is no greater gift that has been provided to man and has been offered to you than the free gift of salvation. How do you receive this gift? Well, you repent of your sins and you respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
How do you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You acknowledge him as being the Savior and Lord of your life. If you're here this morning and you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. In closing, though, this morning, let me read to you another Stanza from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man may no, no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Have you experienced the glory of the Lord in your own life? Because when Jesus Christ comes into your life, you are forever changed. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you, and you are given a new life, a life that is a glorious life, a life in which you are given the promise that you will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there is a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning thanking you for bursting into to human history, thanking you for coming and dwelling amongst us, thanking you, Lord Jesus, for living a perfect life, for never committing a sin and becoming the perfect Lamb of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your life. We thank you for the blood that you shed for us how that blood has, has provided cleansing for all of us in this room. And we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for defeating death and promising all of us in this room that we too can defeat death and experience life eternally. Father, I just pray this morning that there is someone here in this place that is yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that this morning they'll make the greatest decision that they could ever make. And that is to repent of their sins and cry out to you to be Lord and Savior of their life. There may be some here this morning that you are leading to make friendship their church home. And Father, if that be the case, we welcome them to be a part of this faith family. Father, there may be some during this time of invitation that needs to just pray. Father, there may be some in this room, Lord, that, that as they look around this room, they may need to go and provide comfort for another believer in this room. There may be someone that just needs a hug. And Father, that may be what they are being led to do during this time of invitation. Lord, we don't know what it is that you are revealing to the hearts of men, women, students, and children in this room. But Lord, we pray that all of us will respond obediently. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
If you're here this morning, there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come making Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you come. If you need to come and join this church, you come. If you, if you recognize somebody in this room that you look at and you're like, man, they need a hug from me, go give them a hug if that's what the Lord is leading you to do. During this time of invitation, you respond as the Lord leads you. But I, I do ask, let's just bow our head, close our eyes. If the Lord's leading you to respond, you do that. Otherwise, let's just spend the next few moments just praying to the Lord, praying for opportunities to glorify Him, to serve Him, to, to, to present Him to those that need Him. Let's just pray now during this time of invitation.